0: Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast.
1: Hey everybody, Rich Birch here, the Unseminary Podcast host. Happy Thursday. Hope you've had a great week. Well, you're in for a great episode today. I don't know about you, but I know about me, and I feel like when I left ministry school, uh, I got a big fat slap on the back and a Bible in the other hand and said, go get it. In fact, actually, today's guest says basically those words, uh, and he's been able to take his church from not really reaching the kind of people he wants to reach to, to now reaching thousands of people every year. Bob Franquiz is here. It's a fantastic interview. Uh, join us at the end because I've got a few other things I want to share with you. Let's jump in.
0: This is the Unseminary Podcast—stuff you wish they taught in seminary.
1: Well, today we've got a ninja on the line—a uh, guy who I've been really excited to have uh, on the podcast. I think we're in for a real uh, ride, ride today with all kinds of great content. We've got Bob Frankowitz from—he's from Florida. I wish we're all—we all lived in Florida because that's just where all good <laughs> things come from. Uh, Calvary Fellowship. Hey, Bob, thanks for being on the show.
2: Rich, thanks so much. I'm glad to be here.
1: Why don't we start um, with just a bit of introduction. Tell me about your church, about you. Give us a sense of your context.
2: Yeah, we started our church uh, 13 years ago uh, in a living room. It was my wife and I and five people. It was not the launch that most guys have, but uh, we, felt, we felt called uh, to start a church, and we had no idea what we were doing. Uh, I graduated from Bible college, and then I actually, um, a, a month after I graduated, the guy who was the director of the college uh, was let go, and they called me and said, "Hey, we'd like you to become the director of the school." So it really became like the inmates running the asylum <laughs> for the next uh, for the next four years, and then uh, I was an assistant pastor at the church where the school was connected to, and uh, then we got sent out from there to uh, to plant the church. But once again, I had spent um, all this, you know, years in college, then four years running a college. So I showed up. Literally, I had a Bible in one hand. I had a guitar in the other. I mean, it was like the makings of, you know, a Bon Jovi song, you know, a <laughs> uh, six-string on my back. Uh, and we started this church, and we had no idea what we were doing. And, uh, I, I mean, amazingly, uh, God began to bless it. And uh, after a month or so or two months, we left our uh, – we left that little living room. And then we, uh, we moved into this hotel and grew in the hotel, actually went to two services in the hotel, moved to a movie theater uh, to accommodate more, um, uh, more folks, eventually started a second service in the theater, then we started doing a third service in the theater wow. uh, across the way, so we actually had two uh, theaters that were set up identically, and so we had these staggered services happening, so I would get done teaching one service, I'd have five minutes to leave the pulpit in one theater and then walk across to the next one and then it was which is a crazy thing because I would be <laughs> teaching in the second or third service and I would say like man I feel like I just said this and am I, am I, am I off on my like, notes you did say you said to some other group like 20 minutes ago so we did that and then the theater was kind of crunching us with time so we actually moved to a high school and it was the largest uh, auditorium <clears throat> in our area so that it sat a little over a thousand which allowed us to go back down to two services. Oh wow! Uh, from there, we actually launched a campus here in, in that was in Miami Lakes, and we and we launched a campus about 15 minutes north in Miramar. And this is the funny part because people think that this is like brilliant strategy on our part. <laughs> we started the campus, and then uh, so we had two totally portable campuses, and then we were asked uh, by the campus in Miami Lakes that the principal said, "Hey, um, you got to go," and uh, <laughs> After all of this time saying, hey, can we, uh, you know, please let us stay and whatnot. And, uh, and I get it. Um, it just wasn't making any sense. It, it, the way it works in the, the county, in Miami, the school doesn't make any money. The county gets all the money, but the uh, school gets right, all the
0: headache. Right, right, right.
2: So, yeah. so anyway, so it what didn't make any sense. So we actually ended up leaving, and, and we decided, we looked around at all these other facilities, and they just they just weren't adequate. So our thought was, hey, let's consolidate everything in our Miramar campus, and let's get real serious about buying a piece of property. Mm. So we consolidated everything in Miramar. That's why guys like, man, your, your move was so brilliant and so strategic. And like, <laughs> dude, it was totally by accident. Um, but then we, 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 um, we consolidated, and then we bought a piece of property, and uh, we're actually getting ready to break ground here probably in the next uh, month or two uh, on our wow. first building. We're wow. excited about that.
1: Oh, that's amazing. you know that's a quite a journey there. The thing I love that uh, you know there's gonna be a lot we're gonna be able to get out of today's conversation because, um, you know, from a living room to you know movie theaters, I've done a lot of church and movie theaters over the years, and so I can identify with the pain of that. <laughs> um, and it's also great too. It has some ups and some downsides. Um, and then, you know, through you know moving and all the campus deal and all that, obviously, um, you know, you've been, you know, privileged to be in one of those churches that that seems to just be constantly reaching people, right? There's new folks coming in the front door uh, all the time, and I want to learn a little bit more about that. What, kind of, when you look back over the last number of years, what is it that God's used, when? what have you learned um, to kind of see people get connected to your church?
2: Well, I think the first thing was an extremely painful experience. Um, You know, my wife and I moved to Miami because we wanted to reach people. You know, this is an area where more than 90% of people are totally disconnected from God, disconnected from church. And um, But what, what happened was is that in the first 18 months of our church, our church grew, but we didn't reach any non-Christians.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We were reaching people that were maybe disconnected from church, but they were already believers. Um, they, you know, I mean, these people were already walking with God. They were maybe a little unhappy at the church they were at, and so they wanted to come. They liked our style or whatever. So, um we actually after 18 months and i actually talk about this in my book pull but uh, the first 18 months of our church we didn't reach one person that was far from god and i remember seeing that that report um, that one of uh, a guy who was our one of our assistant pastors now showed me and i was i was floored because I, I thought even like by accident we could have reached a couple of people wow. right. you know and right. and, it, and it didn't i mean it was it was rough and uh, and that was really the uh, the, the the beginning. Um, that's you know, it was a really tough moment to say if we're if we really want to reach people, we're going to have to begin to change the culture of our church and get a lot more intentional about reaching people who are far from God.
1: Oh, that's a sobering moment. I uh, well, f- first of all, just applaud you for even just calling that out because I think that. Um, you know, I think if we had to be honest, if we've worked in a growing church or just worked in any church, you know, we we have that question, right? Or really? it's like, is anybody getting connected <laughs> to the kingdom here, or are we just moving people around? We know statistically. Um, that the the churches that actually are reaching people outside unchurched folks is, is very small. Um, that yeah. in a lot of ways what we're doing is there's like this concentration happening within the church. Big churches are getting bigger, um, and and I, I applaud you for even just calling that out. Now what so what were some of those first steps you took um, to say okay we've got to change our culture. We, we can't you know it's like I can't take this anymore. What were those first few things that you did to to make those changes? Well I think that the the uh, the first
2: thing was really it was we we saw it as that the the culture itself has to change and and every time that I work with pastors and I work with hundreds of pastors uh, through Church Ninja and our coaching but one of the things that we look at is, is sometimes guys they say well uh, and sometimes guys will come into our coaching because they know we do a lot of stuff, you know, with online and offline media, and they'll come in because there's that, that pet media that they want to learn to master. And so some guys will come in, you know, I I want to learn how to, I want to learn how to do Facebook so I can reach a lot of, a lot of unchurched people. And as I begin to talk to them and we start, you know, probing a little bit, they're not reaching anybody. Mm-hmm. And so before you start uh, getting a whole bunch of people because once again I, we can get a whole bunch of people to your church that's not a problem but right you know mm-hmm. if you can learn to do direct mail well Facebook well Google ads you can get your church doing servant evangelism you can get a lot of people to to a service the question is what happens when they get there and this is the these are the hard questions that pastors need to ask is what kind of environment do we uh, do we create? And this is where, and, and I'll tell you what I, I tell guys this, um, is that the most important group you have to uh, win over are your servants. You know, it's the volunteers in the church because they are essentially the group that's creating the culture. Mm-hmm. And um, and so that really becomes the first part. I mean, do, do the servants in your church, do they love lost people? I mean, do they care that there are lost people? Because because, right. you know, you and I, I mean, everybody likes you, but uh, you've never experienced this. But uh, but I've been in environments where you walk in and you just know, like, you're not wanted. Uh, you've right. never had this experience because everybody likes you. But, um, <laughs> but and, and, and you know, but most of us, you walk into an environment and you're like, hey, I'm not really supposed to be here. You know, this is kind of a, I don't know, just it's a weird, weird vibe and, and whatnot. And, man, people who are unchurched, they get that. Right. They know you know they know when they're not wanted. they know when it's like a, it's a ha- oh you don't know that you, oh good how do you not know where our children's ministry is what a hassle I gotta walk you over there mm. <laughs> but there is when there's another vibe that's man, we are so glad that you're here and people talk about being friendly and I've been to a lot of a lot of churches you've been to a lot of churches and most most churches are friendly with each other like mm-hmm. the people in the church, but they're a little standoffish with people that that are newer. And I think that really the key to have to, to, to making your church magnetic, uh, to, to seeing your church begin to explode with growth really begins, it, it's, not, it's not a tactical issue, it's a hard issue. Do you love unchurched people? And are you willing to do whatever it takes to reach them?
1: Now, what have you done um, to try to help cultivate that heart with your people? You know, whether it's obviously you can preach it. Um, you know, what what are some other things you've done to try to you know move your own people into like, hey, we just want to actually welcome people when they arrive? Yeah, there, there's. I mean, you you've got to preach it. You've got to talk
2: about this stuff uh, to to new believers. I mean, we talk about evangelism, reaching people. I mean, in our new believers class. Um, but some of it is is that, and, and I talk about this pretty regularly, is I, I try to help our church remember what it's like to be a lost person. Mm. And, you know, I mean, I've been a Christian now for more than 20 years. You know, I became a Christian at 19. And it's, um, sometimes we can forget what it's like to be, to be a lost person, to have no hope whatsoever. And, man, aren't we grateful that someone reached out to us, shared the gospel with us, invited us to church, gave us a book, a tape, a resource, a CD, a cassette, if you if you're around been around that long. Uh, nice. And, you know, all of that um, factors in. And, and I think part of it, too, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a bit old school in this, in this sense. I mean, I'm, I'm 39, but I'm, but I'm old school in this sense that um, – you know, we do more of like a come forward invitation, you know, for people yep. to come to Jesus and, and whatnot. And uh, some people say it's totally outdated and whatever. I I, I would, you know, you got to figure out what works in your context, but right in our context, it works incredibly well because what's happening is is that people are seeing evangelism happen in every service every Sunday. Right. And right, so right. every service when we present the gospel and they physically see people get up and come forward and man, people are crying, Um, you know, this isn't, you know, because you can do this and be manipulative, you know, come forward if you love your mom, come forward if your name is Mike, you know what I mean? You can do stuff like that. Um, And sometimes that stuff happens. But if you're really just, you know, presenting the gospel, if you want to come to know Jesus, I want you to meet me right here. We're going to pray together, watch God do a work in your life. And That, I I also believe, is part of what creates that culture because people see that and they think, I would love to see my friend, my family member, my mom, my dad, my sister, my brother, my kids come forward. I'd love to walk forward with them and have them... Experience what I what I've experienced.
1: Yeah, I think that's a real key insight there. I, I don't want people to miss that. You know, creating it's not just there's the preaching part of it, but then it's trying to find those pieces in your services. Um, whether it's you know come to the fr- you know people coming to the front or you know it's baptism you know services. Mm-hmm. It's it's creating those moments where you highlight. Hey, you know li- life changes is, is taking place here. One yeah. one other thing, a couple of years ago, I, um, I and I've encouraged churches who are you know and they're um, looking to launch new campuses is to take it's a real practical tactic is to take their launch teams to to go play bingo uh, one night because bingo it is like its own subculture um, yeah. you know you go there there's like secret mm-hmm. language everybody has their own special chair um, you're seen as competition to everyone that's there when you're the new person. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gives this that visceral response you're talking about, of like, oh, I'm not feeling very welcome. Yeah. Um, it gives people that feeling, um, and you know, and plus you might win some money. But you know, it it yeah. is a um, you know, it's one of those. If you're looking to kind of create um, how to help people understand that, it's like that's the exact opposite mm-hmm. of what we're trying to do. We don't want to uh, have people feel that way when they, uh, you know, when they come to our our church.
2: Changing yeah. gears a little bit. Tell you
1: what's, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go
2: ahead. Again. No, no, no. I, I say, it's funny that you say that, because we had this a couple of years ago. Uh, one of our pastors is pursuing a graduate degree, mm-hmm. and so his uh, was a religion or philosophy teacher or whatever told him that he needed to uh, – part of. he had an assignment, and one of the assignments was uh, go to a service of a faith that's not your own. Right. And oh, cool. so he, called, he said, hey, Bob, uh, I'm going to go to this synagogue with, on, on, on Saturday. Would you want to come with me? And I'm like, yeah, that sounds like fun. Yeah. So we went, and man, it was, I mean, you know, I said yes, and then I wanted to find out what it was. I'm online. What am I supposed to wear? What time does it start? And then I get there, and it was all the stereotypical things. I got there at 10 minutes early because church people get to church 10, 10 minutes early because they don't know uh, exactly what the deal is. I'm walking, you know, it's like they had a table. It's like a resource table had all, like, you know, announcements and all this, and I mean, you know, I've been in church for a long time, and I grab this sheet of paper, right? Yep. And I'm looking at the sheet of paper, and then I put it back, because I'm like, I don't know if I'm supposed to take this flyer that says what they're doing. I'm like, now, if they did it at our place, I'm like, that's why we printed 100 of them, so you could take one. But, man, I was there, and I'm like, oh, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I wouldn't even walk into the to the sanctuary because I wasn't sure what I was supposed to do. There, uh, there was this uh, on there was this opening on the wall, this kind of like uh drawer and and they had all these little yarmulkes in there and I, I didn't know I mean are those for sale uh, am I supposed to wear one or not I mean you know I'm in mean, a gentile like me I was I didn't know what the deal was but sure <laughs> enough right when service is starting bunch of guys come in grab the yarmulke pop it on their head and walk right into the service I'm like okay that's what I'm supposed to do right. and it was it to me it was an incredibly enlightening experience because I didn't know the drill You know, because we can go to a church service, and it's like, you know, we all know three things are going to happen no matter what church we go to. There's going to be music, there's going to be a message, and there's going to be an offering. And even if there's no music (laughs) for message, we know there's going to be an offering. So, so, but to go into an environment, and I love the bingo idea, but to go into an environment where we don't know the drill, we don't know how it's going to happen, it really gives us – the experience of what it's like to be an unchurched person who shows up on on our door for the very first Mm -hmm. time.
1: Yeah, that's great. Uh, ch- changing gears a little bit, um, one of the things that you know your programs are known for at ChurchNinja.com and your books and stuff, which we'll you know we'll get you to describe a little bit of that in a bit, um, is kind of the front end experience, the kind of communication to you know people outside of the church to try to attract them to mm. um, you know your church. What are a few things, kind of a few tips or you know insights you could offer to our our listeners on that you know that whole area that they might just want to take a few steps uh, into uh, that sort of thing for their church?
2: Yeah, goodness, there's so much. But really, um, what I would encourage a pastor to do, this is just a real simple thing, is one Sunday you're not teaching, uh, show up when everybody else shows up. So everybody else shows up right about, you know, if your service is at 10 o'clock, they show up right at 10 o'clock, then show up at that time. Don't go through the back door that you know because you've got your secret entryway and all that. And even if you're portable, <laughs> you've got secret entryway, you know, through the gym or whatever. Uh, but instead, just go the normal route. And um, you know, and that was one of the things that we learned. You know, I, I, I showed up one Sunday. I wasn't yep. teaching, but I showed up, and I thought, man, this is a really long walk. And it, nothing <laughs> right. we could do. But I'm like, it's a really long walk, and we've got to. Um, you know, from the the parking lot, then they had to come around to the front of the school, and I realized there's no there was nobody there at the front. To t- so we actually started putting greeters there in the front, most of the time. And those guys are just directing, mm-hmm. um, directing people like, "Hey, you're you're in you're in the right in the right place." And um, but I think you'll learn a lot checking your kids in at the same time everybody else is. You're going to see what the bottlenecks are and all that. That's really going to help. Um, and really, to look at it from a perspective of um, what what would be helpful if I didn't know anything here. And I, I just you know, whenever I do consulting with churches, I've never consulted with a church that's that's had anywhere near the inadequate amount of signage. Right. Um, so it's like when you think you have enough signage, you probably have about half as mu- half the signage that you need. <laughs> that's true. Um, and it's just the reality is. Um, because it's like, well, why do I need three signs leading in the same direction? Because people are probably only going to see one of them. Right. Uh, they're not. Most of them aren't. Most people aren't going to see all three. The question is, you don't know which of the three they're going to see. Right. So I think there's something like that. I think I would also just kind of going back to the, the the evangelistic piece. Are there moments in your service where you are communicating the vision of your church uh, to reach people and to disciple people? You know, one of the things that we do and, uh, you know, I, we just have this thing we talk about and that is, uh, you know, dripping vision is way better than dumping vision once a year, you know, but doing it every week. And one of the things that we've seen is, you know, when I do a come forward invitation and then we, you know, we give people um, a copy of a, a, there's a book that I just wrote called Begin. It's a new believer's book. It came out at the same time as Pull. But, uh, there was a different book that we had until Begin came out, but now we give people that. But I'll tell them that if they come forward, hey, I want to give you this. It's my gift to you. I want to help you take your first steps. So they'll go and get that book. And that, I have about 30 seconds right there before I turn the service over. And we do our, we do our announcement at the, end, at the end and receive our offering. But I'll have about 30 seconds there. And that's just my opportunity. To communicate vision to our church that this is why we do what we do, right. this is why we give, this is why we serve, this is why we sacrifice, this is why we have to be uncomfortable sometimes for the sake of seeing people who are far from God come to know Him. So there's got to be those moments in your in your service where uh, every week you're just communicating and dripping the vision
1: uh, of your of your church. Oh, this has been fantastic! What a great, uh, tons of great insight. Uh, anything else you want to share with uh, with our listeners? Uh, well,
2: if, if I can, uh, if at the expense of a shameless. Uh, <laughs> no, come on, plug uh, away. <laughs> just over my shoulder. Just over my shoulder, you'll see strategically uh, copy, placed strategically placed copies of my new book, pulled, <laughs> uh "Making Your Church Magnetic." And and I'll tell you what, I, I'm really uh, excited about the book because uh, not only because it is. The, it's all the strategies that we use that we've used to really go from reaching no one um, to now reaching you know a couple thousand people in the last two years um, that, who were totally disconnected. This is not rededications. I mean these are like hardcore non-believers um, that, that, are, that are coming to Jesus. But um, I love it because it's the Calvary story you know the first part you know that the the subtitle of the book is making your church magnetic chapter 1 is called the unmagnetic church and it's <laughs> the story of Calvary and how everything began to change and what had to happen in my life and really the the first chap the, the book is about the book is on outreach and evangelism but the first chapter is really all about leadership because it was five or six decisions that i had to make that really were the things that God used to turn the ship around and and allow us to be a church now that
0: reaches lots of lost people. This is the Unseminary Podcast.
1: All right, well, welcome to the lightning round where we jump in with the church leader and ask them some questions to try to, you know, hear where they're at and get a sense of what's happening in their ministry these days. So, so Bob, uh, give me a sense of an online resource that you've been using that really helps in your ministry. Sure, it's it's not a free resource, but it's a it's a
2: great app that I use called OmniFocus. And what I love about it, I'm a Mac guy. I mean, I've been a Mac guy for more than ten years, but um, this this program it's a it's a it's a to, it's a to-do list, but it's so much more robust than that. Uh, if you've ever read the book Getting Things Done by David Allen, mm-hmm. uh, it is built on that philosophy of uh, creating context for all your to-dos. Uh, creating projects and then putting all your to dos the whole idea is getting everything out of your head so that you can be more productive and the cool thing about OmniFocus is that they have an app for the iPhone, the iPad and for for your Mac and they all sync together so no matter where I add a a to-do item within whatever context or um, Whatever world I'm kind of working in, whether it's ninja world or uh, you know Calvary world or or my personal life, um, it all syncs together, and so that's been a, a huge tool. Our whole staff uses it, and uh, it is it is a I, I can't even tell you how much more I've been able to accomplish by using by using that.
1: That's fantastic. Uh, great. Sounds like a great resource. Um, what's a book that you've read in the last six months? I'm sure your book. Um, but that has uh, helped your ministry, maybe is shaping a bit of your thinking these days.
2: Uh, well, besides, I mean, obviously, uh, Pull and Began have been, uh, you know, as I, I tell my staff, these are books that are changing a generation, even though they just came out. Uh, but uh, that's our that's our inside joke. <laughs> uh, with with my, with my staff and uh, but now a book that I read it's got, it's not a uh, it's a business book it's more of like a business marketing book that I really liked uh, it's called eighty uh, twenty sales and marketing by a guy named Perry Marshall mm-hmm. uh, Perry Marshall is uh, he really can't his claim to fame is he is the complete master of Google AdWords and so he's the guy that all of us you know that are that really Try to do Google Ads very well. We we study him, um, but he had a great book, you know, the Richard Koch book, um, the 80 20 principle. Yeah. Well, he took the 80 20 principle into your sales and marketing, mm-hmm. and man, it is uh, it was a really good read, really powerful, and it's it it's actually part of our philosophy in our church in our uh, coaching with Church Ninja is really helping guys to spend less money and reach more people and that's part of the philosophy of the 80-20 sales and marketing as well.
1: Very cool. Yeah, that's great. Um, what's a ministry, a church out there or a ministry that um, is kind of influencing you these days, you're thinking about?
2: Um, probably the church that's influencing us the most these days is uh, is Hillsong Church in Sydney, okay. Australia.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, I think Brian is uh, is a fantastic leader. I mean, obviously, they're they're they're. I mean, they're known obviously around the world for their worship. Uh, for the last you know 25 years, they've been known for their for their worship. But uh, I think what people don't realize is just what an incredible leader Brian Houston is. Oh yeah, that's very true. Uh, to, to run these campuses um, all over the world, many of them uh, running tens of thousands of people, mm-hmm. and uh, it just shows you know. And it's not him. It's not him broadcasting himself. It's they're all connected together. But he's sending out guys to be the pastor, and they're, yet they're still uh, connected as churches. And uh, it just shows how secure he is as a leader. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you know what a great leader he is—that these guys who are great leaders in their own respect, in their own right, would still want to uh, follow him and still be part of that umbrella. So we're learning a lot from them uh, these days.
1: Yeah, I was just eavesdropping last week. I was eavesdropping in on um, a video they had produced to kind of a a leadership talk, and I was thinking the same thing about Brian. I'm like, dude, this guy, he's got serious chops. Like, He's a great leader, fantastic leader for sure. Um, If you had 15 minutes you could spend with any leader alive uh, today, who would you want to spend that time with and why? Uh,
2: Well, Brian Houston would be one of them, but probably the guy that has influenced me uh, at least the person that's influenced me the most, I don't know personally, is, uh, is Greg Laurie. Uh, Greg is a guy that really, so much of our philosophy of ministry uh, has been influenced by Greg in the sense that their church is highly evangelistic. I mean, Greg is, you know, some people who, there's some people who don't really know Greg pastors a church. They just know him from the Harvest <laughs> Crusades. Yeah, Crusades. Um, but Greg's been pastoring a church for 40 years, and uh, Greg is totally committed uh, to teaching expositionally through the Bible, and that's our philosophy as well. I mean, we're through the Bible guys, teaching books of the Bible. Um, in 13 years of our church, we've taught 37 books of the Bible. And uh, so we're very committed to that. And, uh, and, and it's, it's amazing to me to see the kind of influence, impact, and platform that Greg can have with that same type of philosophy yeah very cool that's very cool
1: alright so what do you do when you're you know when you're not in ninja world or Calvary world and you're just kicking back you wanna relax a little bit how do you spend your time well I have three kids so that takes up a great there of time there it so, is it's all gone And and there's six
2: four and uh, just under two so nice. uh, so six four and twenty months so that is most of my time but uh, when I just get a few minutes and it's like I can do whatever I want uh, playing guitar is what I uh, what I love to do. I mean, I was in some bands um, and uh, I don't know if you've, you've been around for a while, so um, but I was in a band called Strong Arm, a nice. hardcore band. We were on Tooth and Nail Records. Right. Uh, we put out two albums and um, so I was in a secular band before that, before I became a Christian and our uh, most famous member is the bass player for Marilyn Manson. Ah, uh, nice. So uh, he was one of my best friends and uh, we still keep in touch but um, so playing guitar is a is a fun uh, is a fun thing for me. I'm from Boston, so watching the Red Sox is a big thing, and it's been a great year. So that's been uh, that's been a great thing. That's been I don't a, know, great it's thing a guy
1: well. from Jersey. I don't know. Maybe we should just end this now. You know, we're, just, <laughs> I, we're not going to be able to run this. I'm sorry. You know, <laughs> nice. Oh, well, that's great. Well, I appreciate this. I uh, appreciate you being on the show. How can people get in touch? How can they learn more about you, Bob, and kind of all the stuff that you're up to?
2: Yeah, well, they can go to uh, to That's kind of like my hub where it has everything, you know, blog, um, coaching, all that stuff. Church. Um, uh, they can go to ChurchNinja.com if they want to learn a little more about uh, coaching. They can, um, if they go to BobFrankwas.com, they can learn more about the uh, pull and getting, you know, books or whatever. Um, or they can go to MyCalvary.com, which is where our, our church, uh,
0: that's our church hub uh, there as well. This is the Unseminary Podcast. Stuff you wish they taught in seminary.
1: Man, I'm just so thankful that Bob joined us on the show today. Some great insights. I would encourage you to check out churchninja.com to see more information from Bob. Uh, On our website at Unseminary, we've got an article on there that I'll link to in the show notes uh, that talks about how to follow up first-time guests. And you know that. We've been talking a lot about how we get first-time guests. Here's some information on how to follow those folks up. Thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, the church is the only organization organization in the world that exists for people outside of it let's go into this weekend with our eyes wide open looking for ways to serve our guests uh, and to see things the way they see things thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next thursday on the unseminary podcast